Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hi, and welcome to ADCS's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Sasha Yulman, the Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. We're celebrating National Diabetes Education Week here at the Association, and this year we wanted to take the opportunity to promote the value of the ADCES 7 self-care behaviors and how that framework supports your DSMS team, clients, and overall services. Today I'm delighted to be joined by four all-star diabetes care and education specialists from ADCES accredited programs across the country. Their names are Sandra Arabello, Anna Hall, Jamie Holmes, and Lydia Sartain, and they're here to share their unique experiences as leaders of accredited DSMES services in different areas and settings across the U.S. You'll hear how they integrate all ADCES 7 behaviors into their services and get some recommendations for resources to help you do this. Let's start with Sandra. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your DSMES services? Yes. Hi, my name is Sandra Arevalo. I'm the director of Community Health and Wellness at Montefiore-Nyack Hospital. And in my department, we have an array of services for people with diabetes. We have diabetes one-on-one. We have nutrition for patients with diabetes. And we also have diabetes prevention program and diabetes self-management education. All right. Anna and Lydia, you work together. Tell us a little bit about your DSMES services and where you're located. So my name is Lydia Sarton. I'm from Heber Springs, Arkansas. I'm a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. I'm currently with Care as the director of diabetes and nutrition. I'll go ahead and let Miss Anna introduce herself and we'll tell a bit about our program. Hi, my name is Anna Hall. I'm also a registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. I am in central Arkansas, so just outside of Little Rock. I work at the same group as Lydia does, and I've been with our care for a combined total of just over four years, and I'm the clinical director of coordinated care. Thank you. And then let's talk a little bit with Jamie. Jamie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your DSMS services. Hello, my name is Jamie Holmes. Um, I'm a pharmacist and the clinical coordinator of DSME services at Rock Creek Pharmacy. Uh, we're a pharmacy located in Hueytown, Alabama. Um, which is right outside of Birmingham. We offer DSMES classes that cover all seven self-care behaviors. Um, We also participate in a study as well with MedEmergence, the Personalized Medication Adherence and Persistence Program, which focuses on encouraging patients through the use of motivational interviewing. So we kind of put those two pieces together. And so we are actually able to take hemoglobin A1Cs, creatinine, and cholesterol here in the pharmacy. 
nice. So it sounds like we've got a, a wide variety of different services across the country here. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking about how you use the ADCS7 self-care behaviors in your practice. And let's go back to Sandra. How are you um, utilizing those seven self-care behaviors in your DSMES services? Yes, so it's interesting because even though they are all different, they are all together, right? And it's important when we talk to patients to touch a little bit on all of that because when you have diabetes, it's hard to manage diabetes from just one front. So with the seven self-care behaviors, you know, we're making sure that everything is working around your diabetes and for your diabetes to manage it better. So in the classes that we have for uh, self-management, we touch on all the different seven as different topics, and we speak as to what influx they have on their diabetes. For example, if it's healthy eating, what foods are good to eat, what foods are not so good to eat, if it's exercise, you know, what changes you can expect in your blood sugars when you're exercising, why is monitoring important, how to problem solve, for example, if you're going to go on vacation or if there are the holidays, uh, how you need to take your medication. So we, we touch on all these in the different classes that we have. Now, when we are doing one-on-one -on -one with patients, what we usually do is that we address different issues with the patients, but we want to meet the patients where they are at. So let's say um, we, we have a patient that is already eating healthy and eating very well and managing the diabetes with their diet, but is not doing so well with exercise. Then we touch a little bit about exercise and why it's important and check if they are monitoring. So really, you know, it, it really goes to where the patient needs help the most. And we try to provide education, um, you know, so that there is some behavior change around all seven, but specifically, you know, on one-on-ones where they need the most help. Well, that sounds great. And Anna and Lydia, tell me a little bit more about how you're using the self-care behaviors throughout your DSMES services. Well, at our care, we're a federally qualified health care center, and we were founded in 1986 in Augusta, and we've grown significantly since then, including diabetes self-management education, which that mostly belongs to our coordinated care team. With that being said, each team member has a region that they are able to conduct one-on-one -on -one diabetes education sessions with the participants, and our team includes registered dietitians and registered nurses. So we are able to provide diabetes self-management education, medical nutrition therapy, intensive behavioral therapy, and continuous glucose monitor placement, which helps us to connect all the dots by those services. Our team focuses on the seven self-care behaviors to guide our time with the participant. We use it as a framework to provide a model for our assessment moving into intervention, and we make sure to utilize it even with the evaluation of the progress because we do bring our patients back for multiple visits. At our first visit, I, the one thing I would make sure and say, we try to identify what is the greatest need when it comes to our participants and what they would like to learn and walk away with from their session with us. So we may identify a behavior where we need to spend more time 
in the education session 101 to help improve, but they naturally move together as well. And our education materials that we provide with them are completely built around the seven behaviors. So some of our less seasoned educators will pull open a guidebook and show the participant the seven behaviors to help walk them through. We call it our blue book. And we've really, truly designed those off of the ADCES self-care behaviors. I think Lydia explained that perfectly. The seven self-care behaviors really drive every aspect of our program and education. And as we've grown over the years and advanced our program to add things in, such as continuous glucose monitoring and integrating technology and new services that really complement the diabetes services that we provide, it's been neat to see how that also complements and fits hand in hand with the seven self-care behaviors. So integrating CGMs has fit with self-monitoring. It's fit with healthy coping, problem solving, and it's helped us really touch base on some of those seven self-care behaviors that may be at times a little bit more difficult to cover. So truly, as Lydia said, it's the framework that guides all of our education and services. That's great. And it's good to hear how you're incorporating problem solving and healthy coping. Um, those are often tough ones to, for people to set goals in, and I think they're often less covered. So let's move on to Jamie. You're, you're kind of newer at this. Let's, let's hear a little bit more about how you're using the self-care behaviors in your practice. Yes. So we're going over all of those behaviors through our classes. And generally, we get referrals from doctors uh, who have learned about our classes and also going around with word of mouth. Actually, we've had patients that have gone through a class that are really loving it. So they'll tell their friends and then they come and, and it's become a great thing. Our owner, uh, my supervisor, bought a space to hold those classes. The participants each get a binder, which goes over every single session. And in these sessions, we share, especially that there are modifiable risk factors that directly correlate with diabetes. Education is key, and that's what we feel here at Rock Creek. Um, most patients really have no idea that they have so much influence over their own progression of the disease. I mean, obviously it is a progressive disease, but there are opportunities that we can use to slow the progression. And that's where these seven behaviors are key. Generally, patients will come to us with a direct need or problem. And as we go through that, you know, we help them solve the problem. We teach them that they have all of these these tool, these tools in their toolbox, essentially. And we even have a direct you know, line now where people can just call in when they have issues. We also can help monitor the patients uh, by encouraging them and teaching them how to do that themselves. Um, we've had set, sit down sessions where we've kind of gone over. I mean, nobody really likes the thought of having to monitor themselves, whether it be through regular glucose monitoring, CGM, however, they don't, they don't really, some of, a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing it and they don't even check their blood sugar. So we're teaching them, it's okay. You know, tell me where you're afraid. Let us sit down with you. Let us show you this. And with knowledge, there is power. So that has been a huge piece to it. And then with the help of our A1C machine, we're able to kind of keep track of them. Generally, they come in after they go through the classes. We still, if they join, you know, if they get their A1C check, they can come in every three months and we can see where they're having 
issues. You know, if we come up with a goal, we come up with a goal when they come in and then we help follow them throughout the year and help them get on track. I love that. And I love the common theme I heard all across. It really sounds like everybody's 100% focused on where's that person right now? What do they need? And how can I help them give them the education and the information they need to make the best choices for them? Because as we know, I mean, some people might be really focused on one area when it comes to the ADCS7. And it really is, is nice to hear all this, um, the different ways you guys are incorporating all these different behaviors and giving people the knowledge to make the choices that work best for them. So now I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about, I know you all kind of touched on it, but really thinking about how these different behaviors, even though it's a really nice framework to help keep things kind of more organized and in in teaching, it helps to have these different seven behaviors Especially I heard someone say as you're beginning your DSMES services, it's, it's a nice framework because it makes it straightforward, I would say. But thinking about how you connect the dots because we're not eating, making healthy choices in food without thinking about monitoring or um, healthy coping and all, the, all of them kind of tag on to each other. So I'll start again with Sandra and just thinking about how are you connecting the dots for your participants when it comes to all these different behaviors and making the right choices for themselves? I think that what really connects the dots, it's the diabetes itself. You know, we, next to the diabetes, we first have healthy coping eating and being active. And of course, these are uh, principles that we need to take into consideration with working with people with diabetes. But then at the same time, you know, that doesn't go well if they're not taking the medication or they're not monitoring. And there are some patients that actually don't need medication or don't need to be monitoring. So we still go back to the eating and exercise and healthy coping. And reducing risk and problem solving, even though it's on the third layer of the seven uh, behaviors, self-care behaviors, you know, it's very important because people need to know where they are. They need to troubleshoot. They need to know how to deal with their diabetes day by day. So I think that, again, what connects the dots, it's the person itself in the middle is the diabetes, is to see how you're doing if, if you have diabetes, where you need a little bit more emphasis, where you need to do a little bit more work. As Jamie was saying, there might be people that are not monitoring. It could be because they don't need to monitor or it could be because they don't like to monitor or they don't want to monitor. Because remember, it's not easy to be managing diabetes you know, day after day, hour after hour. And, you know, we can think of the self, seven self-care behaviors as something easy, but it's not easy when you have to be thinking about all of them all day long, day after day. So that's why I find that it's mostly important to provide support to our participants where they are needing the support. You know, I'm not going to talk about monitoring to somebody whose sugars are absolutely okay and their A1Cs are a 6.5 or a 7 because maybe they don't need to be doing that. So we just need enough dots and connect the dots to where there is really need to connect the dots. Yeah, I like that. And, you know, like you said, diabetes distress, it's sort of that emotional sort of impact of having all these decisions to make all day long. And I read one statistic not too long ago, and 
it, I don't think it's super evidence-based, but on average, people are making about 200 decisions a day about their diabetes. And so I think this is a really good framework to help people kind of think about how those decisions are being made and really help them make the best choices for themselves. You really highlighted that. So let's go on to Anna and Lydia. Um, just thinking about how you guys are using, you know, the seven self care behaviors and really connecting the dots for your participants or, or your or your team. Well, for our team, the seven self care behaviors, they really naturally connect as we're guiding the participant through the education process. Our team may start with one topic and the education just seems to move and transition to the next behavior based on a discussion. And it usually comes up in our assessment time, being able to recognize. So a participant may come and say, you know, I really want to talk about healthy eating. But as we move through the assessment questions that we have brought up, we notice wow, well, we maybe need to focus on some healthy coping skills in addition to healthy eating because we're noticing some trends in the area and then we can set some SMART goals and navigate that appropriately to help them properly manage their care and problem solve on their own. So for us, it really kind it naturally overlaps moving from one behavior to another as long as we have a, an assessment that is thorough and then also just being able to provide some of those complement services, the medical nutrition therapy. We really love the team approach. It helps us to connect the dots. If we have one educator that has identified uh, a need of the patient in assessment, and then we can help with the continuous glucose monitors and other things such as that. I think that's perfect and explains it really well because it does all begin with what's most important to the patient and what they want to learn. So we encourage our team, you know, at that initial assessment to present the patient all the self-care topics and really let them guide the conversation. And as Lydia mentioned, it does flow, but we really focus on that patient direction and use the facilitation and education from our diabetes care and education specialist. And so I think that is what really helps us to connect the dots. Um, every program just looks different in how they, how they structure and provide the services. And so us being in an FQHC, providing everything one-on-one, -on -one, how we connect dots and move from one topic to another may look different than say a program that's structured in like a boot camp style where you cover certain topics in in an order that makes sense for that patient population. And I think that's one of the things that makes th these programs and services so neat is that they're all so unique and different and we can each tailor them to really the needs in the patient population. But I think as long as we keep the patient at the center and use them as the guide for the education, that the dots will naturally begin to flow together and connect. That's so important. And really thinking about how I think as a newer diabetes care and education specialist, it's it's a little bit intimidating to think, what if they ask me a question I don't know the answer to? But honestly, I think a lot of times, like like both Anna and Lydia were pointing out, the, the conversations necessarily generally flow. And I really loved hearing you say, you know, we ask the questions, we look through a comprehensive assessment and really focus on what they need to know and let it flow. And and the questions kind of come organically. I know that was my experience as, as I started letting the participants drive a little bit more. I became a little bit less kind of teaching, a little bit more listening, asking questions and filling in the blanks. 
it was so much easier for me too because I knew I was addressing their needs. Um, so Jamie, tell us a little bit about how you're doing this. Well, absolutely, because I am truly the new kid on the block here. And what you guys are saying is absolutely what I'm finding is true, that it is sitting down with our participants and, and meeting them where they are. You know, they'll come to us, obviously, generally with a need. And we sit down with them and we begin talking. And over the course of that conversation, we begin to identify things which lead to other things. Generally, it always goes back to monitoring. And as I said before, generally that fear of, you know, sometimes it's just we don't want or we as patients, I'm saying that or as participants rather, if we don't look at it, it's not there. It's that kind of mentality. If I don't look at that reading then then I don't need to worry about it because diabetes is a silent disease for the most part until things start to break in our body. So, you know, if we teach them that they can absolutely sit down and do this and it's not scary, we need to know these things. We can go through each of these seven behaviors with them and make them feel more comfortable with themselves and with their disease. Seeing them and watching them learn, that, that's been amazing for me in the last three months. Um, I actually have a situation where I have a patient who came to me yesterday. She was so excited. It's kind of funny. She had gone, she said, Jamie, I had a cheat day. And of course, you know, I'm just kind of looking at her like, oh no, you know, what, what, what do you mean you had a cheat day? And she said that she told me how she went to, we have a burger place down here in Alabama called Mugshots. And it, she said, I had a burger and French fries, but here was the cool part about it. She, she had been taking her blood sugar. She had been taking her blood sugar. She knew what her sugar was that morning. And after she had her cheat day, the next morning, it was 183. She said, James, no more cheat days. And for me, that was exciting because she learned something. She learned something about herself, about her body. And, you know, she was able to come and tell me that. That was amazing. You know, we've had other instances where we've had patients who came in unable to take their medicine because they can't afford it. Well, if they tell me that, if they give me that piece, then I'm able to kind of work on their behalf to help them. But then in the meanwhile, we can sit down and talk about healthy eating, you know, activity, the things of that nature. So it's that kind of connecting the dots that is amazing to watch. And then the probably the biggest or most exciting success story is that we have a patient that just, he was diagnosed and he had had COVID and was diagnosed and came out of the hospital and was put on insulin. And he was very distressed and upset. He came to us and said, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to really administer this insulin, which is a really scary thing. Um, well, within the course of five weeks, we worked with him and it's exciting that he is now able to come off the insulin, guys. So that is that is incredible. And that's where I'm enjoying seeing this take life.
Yeah, it's definitely a rewarding, definitely I think we have one of the most rewarding jobs there are out there. Um, and I think you all hit on a few things that I think were really cool to me is hearing sort of the experiments that your participants are doing. I mean, I think that's the big part of learning. And also the part of diabetes is tough. And I think you're all acknowledging it is tough, but there's so much you can do. And I think, Jamie, you said, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a silent or invisible disease and people want to just push it away. But if you can acknowledge it and really look at the things you can do, you can make such a difference and feel better um, and see the different impact that all these different things are making on your self-care. So I have one more question for everybody. And so just really to think about, as you have um, utilized ADCS's resources, um, I'd just like to hear about some resources that you might recommend to others or kind of what your favorite resources related to the ADCS 7. I'm going to go in the same order. We'll start with Sandra. I don't know if it's because my, the majority of my patients are Spanish speakers, they're Latinos. Uh, obviously, you know, my favorite resources are all the handouts that you have in Spanish. Uh, I think that they are very nice, very clear, you know, very simple language. So I use them all the time. But also, I think that you have great resources for diabetes educator specialists because there are so many webinars there that teach you, you know, from the seven healthcare behaviors to CGMs and technology and everything that is out there. So those two are my favorites. Great. Thank you. And how about? Anna and Lydia. When it comes to the ADCES uh, that offers numerous resources for establishing and improving a diabetes self-management program, it's kind of hard to choose, but I definitely uh, lean towards, uh, for any new or existing programs, I would definitely recommend the ADCES uh, education and care curriculum. As a quality coordinator, I have that book open on my desk almost every day. Many areas that you will find to struggle with participants, whether that be how to teach one of the seven behaviors or how to set a goal on one of those behaviors. That's something that when it comes to one-on-one uh, -on -one with our patients, we may struggle with some goal setting, some smart goals, but this resource really helps you when you have various participants with different backgrounds and trying to set that patient-driven goal. And it also gives you so many examples of how to accomplish that with your participant. I agree with Lydia. The education and care curriculum is a great tool, and it's one that we make sure each one of our educators has a copy of to use as a reference and a resource and a guide. But secondary to the curriculum book, I would also say the Diabetes Self-Management Education Desk reference is truly a goldmine of information. It's quite a large book. It may look a little daunting and overwhelming, but it's a great tool. And it really personally helped me as I was studying for my certification exam. And it's just a great reference. It's something I'll always want to keep an updated copy of on my bookshelf in my office. And then lastly, I would say the ADC has Quick Guide to Medications is a very practical, applicable tool. It's a small pocketbook that you can carry with you. And again, it's something that we make sure everyone our, on our team has a copy of. It's just a great resource and guide. And we find that even our providers and those in the clinics with us kind of gravitate towards that when they see it. So a lot of great resources and a lot of great tools just out there at your fingertips to, to access and purchase and some for free as well. And Jamie, as you're starting up, what resources have you found have been most helpful as you're getting started with your DSMS services in Alabama? 
I absolutely love uh, the tools and resources, uh, which go over each of the seven uh, behaviors. And they're just as Sandra said, the print the printouts that you can print. I've been handing them out to participants. And a lot of these, actually, if you go through, you can find recipes, you can find ways to kind of get through difficult situations such as holidays, which is something that we're all about to face. Um, you know, things that they're able to read and, and absolutely understand. I also, too, have had a patient um, who is able to utilize the Spanish language resources. So that has been fabulous. So I absolutely love this website. Yeah, it's good. And we have several different language resources on our website, which is really nice. I know when I was working clinically, I was always struggling to find resources in another language that I could trust. Um, I'll never forget one time I pulled something off the web and the person said, why would I eat a horse's hoof? And I thought, oh no, I am not pulling resources off the internet anymore um, unless I trust the reference. So I think that's good. ADCS definitely does a lot, a thorough review and translation of things. So you know, you're not offering random things like that. So before we end, any final thoughts from anyone? I'll kind of throw it out there to see if anybody has any closing thoughts or additional things to share. I don't really have much to add other than just a thank you to ADCES for your support of what you provide to programs, quality coordinators, diabetes care education specialists, and allowing us to better serve participants of our program. Um, and encourage everyone to tap into the resources that's available, reach out to other programs. I know personally, I've learned a lot just by networking and seeing what other groups are doing as well. Chances are there's something that you can pull and take from a program to add to yours. And, and it's always neat to collaborate with fellows in this field. Yeah, and I, I just would like to, to close with saying that, you know, these um, seven self care behaviors you know, are very important for the management of diabetes. And I know that this will be a complete different topic, but you know, when used with cultural humility, they're really helpful. It helps us, they help, they help us as educators, but they mostly help people with diabetes. So they are an excellent tool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. We hope that Sandra, Anna, Lydia, and Jamie's expertise and best practices help you enhance and improve your services by leveraging the ADCES 7 framework. Take advantage of the many ADCES resources and education available to help in this process. Head over to show notes available at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast for a list of the resources mentioned here today. You can also access a consolidated list of ADCES 7 resources at diabeteseducator.org forward slash ADCES 7, the number. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.